Welcome to the podcast, Restore Yourself, Restore Your Marriage, where it's all about discovering the thoughts that get you in the mood, the thoughts that get you out of the mood, and how creating a deeper connection with yourself creates a deeper connection with your spouse. I'm your coach, Shelly Anderson, coaching you through life, love, and intimacy. is episode number 77, Whole Messages versus Partial Messages. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's episode. And we are going to talk about communication. I love this topic because it seems like when I ask my clients what's something that they struggle with in their marriage and relationship, communication always seems to come up. So today we are going to address that. And it's just going to be me today as Nick has a really bad sinus infection. And so he will not be able to join us today. So we are going to be taking one section of a book about communication and we're going to dive into it a little bit more. This book is called Messages. The Communication Skills Book. And I really love this book because I don't know if they really realize that they actually use um, some life coaching skills in their format. And I think that's one of the reasons I really enjoy this communications book over some of the other ones that I've read. So today we're going to talk about whole messages and partial messages and how it really affects our intimacy with our spouse, but also how it affects relationships in general. So we're going to start off by reading a message. We're going to start off by reading a paragraph that's just entitled Whole Messages. So I'm going to read straight out of this book, and then we're going to discuss it. It says, whole messages include four kinds of expression. What you see what you think, what you feel, and what you need. Intimate relationships thrive on whole messages. Your closest friends, your mate, which would be your spouse, and your family can't know the real you unless you share all of your experiences. That means not leaving things out, not covering up your anger, and not squelching your wants. It means giving accurate feedback about what you observe, clearly stating your inferences and conclusions, saying how it all makes you feel, and if you need something or see possibilities for change, making straightforward requests or suggestions. So that's the paragraph we're going to start off with that kind of gives you a little bit of a summary about what whole messages are. And before we go any further, I want to dive into the definitions of the word whole so that as we move forward, we can really start to distinguish whole messages versus partial messages. Okay, so the word whole can be defined as free of wound or injury. I love this definition because it really can give us some added insight that as we use whole messages in this format, 
that our messages can also be free of wound and injury. This is fabulous for communication. Whole also means recovered from a wound or injury. It also means restored. Ooh, that ties into the title of this podcast in and of itself. Whole can also be defined as being healed. I really enjoy this definition because communication that is whole and clear and really expresses who we are can be very healing. So I think that as we are learning about whole messages, we can have in mind that as we try to gain the knowledge of what whole messages are, and as we try to develop this skill, we are involved in our own healing. This is really a beautiful sentiment. Whole can also be defined as free of defect or impairment. It can also be defined as physically sound and healthy, mentally and emotionally sound, having all its proper parts and components, constituting the total sum or undiminished entirety, constituting the entirety of a person's nature or development. I love this because as we're learning the skill of using whole messages, that is part of our development. And so as we are trying to develop it and express it, and as we're practicing with it, we are growing as a person. Whole also can be defined as constituting an undivided unit and a completeness lacking no part. So I love that as we're thinking of this concept of whole messages and as it relates to how we are communicating with our spouse, that there's a completeness to it and that there's not going to be parts that are lacking. And so this is going to add to the intimacy that we are able to share and feel with others. And also, I think it's interesting to point out that as we go through the process of trying to use whole messages, and as we use them more, we are also giving an example and modeling to those that we're communicating with how to do it as well. So even if they aren't listening to this podcast or they're not reading any books about communication, the more that they hear you use whole messages, the more that they are getting that example. And maybe they'll be able to start communicating in whole messages as well. Okay, so we're gonna, I'm going to read the paragraph from this book that talks about partial messages. And this is what it says. When you leave something out, it's called a partial message. Partial messages create confusion and distrust. People sense that something is missing, but they don't know what. They are turned off when they hear judgments untempered by your feelings and hopes. They resist 
Hearing anger that doesn't include the story of your frustration or hurt. They are suspicious of conclusions without supporting observations. They are uncomfortable with demands growing from unexpressed feelings and assumptions. Now, that is a lot of negative emotions that come with partial messages. And I circled them in my book, right? Because this really stood out to me. And listen to just some of these emotions. Distrust, turned off, confusion, resistance, suspicion, and uncomfortableness, right? So those are a lot of negative emotions that can be associated when we use partial messages. Now, before we move on, I want to talk about what is actually included in a whole messages, in a whole message. Okay, and I did talk about this in the first paragraph, but I just want to reiterate what they are. It's observations. So these are like the facts of what we see or what we hear. So if we see that our spouse is coughing and sneezing a lot, we could express that just by stating the facts. And I really love this because when we look at life coaching and the self-coaching model, the first thing that we teach our clients to do is be able to define and identify their circumstance only in neutral facts without any judgments or um, interpretations or conclusions about it. It's just the facts. And so this goes right along with this first part of whole messages. It's just the observations. So this is kind of like how the book describes it as the language of the scientist or the detective or the appliance repair person. It means reporting what your senses tell you, right? What you're seeing, what you are um, listening to, what your ears hear. So there's no um, speculations or quick conclusions that you jump to. Everything is a simple fact. And so here are some examples of what we would call observations. I read in the magazine that an ice age is due to start within 500 years, right? So you're just stating something that you read. Another example would be, my old address was 1995 Fell Street. Again, it's just stating a simple fact. I plan to wear a bright red evening gown to the party. Again, it's just stating something that uh, you're in what you're going to do, right? Let's say you've already decided what you're going to wear. You're just stating that. I broke the toaster this morning. <laughs> um, it was a very hot day when I left Arizona. 
A slight wind riffled the fields and a thunderhead was beginning to form up north. So this is just your observation of the weather as you were leaving that day. So all of these types of statements are really strict to what someone um, is hearing or reading or what they experienced. So that is the first part of what is included in a whole message. So the next part would be thoughts, right? So your thoughts are when you are able to express what you think about what you just observed or what you just read or what you just heard. So sometimes these are going to be the conclusions that we make in our mind. Um, they also come out in the form of judgments. Now that's a negative thing. Usually when we're being judgmental, um, it can be our interpretations of things, our inferences, our assumptions. So these are the, the conclusions that we are making that are drawn from what we have read or heard or observed. And they, according to this book, how it defines that is that our thoughts are attempts to synthesize our observations so that you can see what's really going on and understand why and how certain events occur. They may also incorporate value judgments in which you decide that something is good or bad, wrong or right. Beliefs, opinions, and theories are all varieties of conclusions and thoughts. So our thoughts can show up in a lot of different ways and sometimes they're expressed very clearly and other times not so effectively, especially when they come out in the, in the form of judgments and being judgmental and um, really jumping to final conclusions about people and our spouse and what they're doing and what it all means. So in some of the previous podcast episodes, we've talked about trying to communicate in the form of I statements so that these judgments and our conclusions and our thoughts are not blameful. It's just what we are thinking about. And I'm going to give you some examples of both types, ones that don't include I statements, so you can also hear how they come out. Maybe you will recognize some of them in yourself or in others. So these are just some examples from the book. Selflessness is essential for a successful marriage. So, right, that's like your opinion about something. That's your thought about what is needed for a successful marriage. Another example is, I think the universe will keep exploding and collapsing, exploding and collapsing forever. It's kind of like maybe a form of like a theory that you have uh, about what <laughs> Uh, the universe is doing and what it will continue to do in the future. Another example from the book says, he must be afraid of his wife. He always seems nervous around her. Again, that's kind of like your own theory, your own opinion um, about how a husband uh, must feel 
maybe he doesn't feel um, afraid of his wife at all. And that's just our interpretation of what we see. Another example is Log Cabin brand is the only syrup worth buying. And that is kind of um, what they describe as a value judgment, right? That's your opinion, but someone else might have a different opinion about that. So when it comes to thoughts, the, the most effective way is to be able to state your thoughts, your opinions, your conclusions, your judgments, your theories is in the form of an I statement. So you simply can start off by saying like, I believe this, I think this. I know not everyone thinks that way, but I am thinking this on this topic. And so that is one way to keep the communication clear, but still expressing what your thoughts are on any given thing that you are observing or hearing or experiencing. The third part of whole messages is feelings. So in the self-coaching model, right, we the first thing is being able to define the circumstance in neutral terms, just like they're saying your observations here, like a detective would do, right? Detectives often say, just the facts, ma'am. They don't want all your opinions about it. They want to be able to write down the actual facts that could be proven like in a court. And then in the self-coaching model, it's about expressing your thoughts about the situation, about the circumstances that you're going through. And then the third thing is your feelings. And from listening to all the previous podcasts, I'm sure you're going to have a good understanding that our feelings are triggered by the thoughts that we are having. Now, the book says this about feelings, which is really interesting and important for us to think about when it comes to communication. It says, probably the most difficult part of communication is expressing your feelings. Some people don't want to hear what you feel. They get bored or upset when feelings come up. Some people are selectively receptive. They can hear about your post-divorce melancholy, but not about your fear of death. Anger is the most discouraged feeling because it's threatening to the listener's self-esteem. Now, I just find this paragraph very, very fascinating. Anger is the most discouraged feeling because it's threatening to the listener's self-esteem. So I think this is why so many people really hold anger in. is because they, they know it's going to really, or that it could affect the person that they're talking to and their self-esteem. So they just hold it or they bottle it up, or they've held it in so long that they just explode and are super, super overreactive that it probably is going to damage the other person's self-esteem in its own way, right? Coming out that way as well. The book goes on to say, you may have decided to keep many feelings to yourself, yet how you feel is a large part of what makes you unique and special. 
Shared feelings are the building blocks of intimacy. I love that sentence. Shared feelings are the building blocks of intimacy. So if we refer back to some of our earlier episodes where we talk about intimacy and how we define intimacy, right? It's being able to share and express the innermost parts of ourselves, right? Think about what's at the heart of us, right? (laughs) Of our body. It's the heart. Our heart is where we are feeling things. And as we are allowed to, as we allow ourselves to express and share our feelings, that is how we build intimacy, making our feelings more known to ourselves and to our spouse. That contributes to intimacy. The book goes on to say, when you allow others to know what angers, frightens, and pleases you, two things happen. They have greater empathy and understanding, and they are better able to modify their behavior to meet your needs if they desire to. I think that's such a beautiful thing, and I often think that sometimes we forget that when we are able to really express our feelings, even the negative ones, that we give an opportunity to our spouse and to whoever else we're communicating with, we give them an opportunity to develop their empathy and to develop their understanding. That's such a beautiful thing. And I think that can really be overlooked and underestimated, but they will have an opportunity to grow and develop themselves. And that can feel really wonderful to them. So the book gives a couple of examples of expressing their feelings and emotions. And so I'm going to just read a few of them. It says, I really missed Joe and felt a real loss when he left for Europe. Another example is, I feel like I let you down yesterday and it's really gnawing at me. Another example says, I sit alone in the house, feel this tingling going up and down my spine, and I'm getting this wave of anxiety. Another example is, I light up with joy when I see you, and I feel this incredible rush of affection. And I really like this last example, and it says, I'm checking my reactions and I feel stunned, surprised, and a little bit angry. (laughs) I love this because they are really expressing the process that they're going through, right? It's like I'm checking my own reactions. I'm checking in with myself. I'm checking in with my feelings. And these are the feelings and emotions that I'm experiencing right now. The book says, note that feeling statements are not observations. They're not value judgments or opinions. And then it has an example. It says the statement, sometimes I feel that you are very rigid 
really has nothing to do with feelings, right? It's just a slightly buffered judgment. Like, I feel you are being this way. Just starting a sentence with I feel and then saying a judgment, that's not really expressing your feelings. When you express your feelings, you're going to have those emotion words with it, right? Those one word emotions like sad, angry, frustrated, resentful, happy, playful, curious, peaceful. Those one word emotions, that's how you express emotion. I feel this. My body is experiencing this. Now, in the self-coaching model, feelings are what usually trigger us to take action. So the fourth kind of expression in whole messages has to do with needs. The book goes on to say this about needs. No one knows what you want except you. You are the expert, the highest authority on yourself. However, you may have a heavy injunction against expressing your needs. You hope friends and family, and I would say your spouse, will be sensitive or clairvoyant enough to know what you want. Sometimes we think this, if you loved me, you would know what's wrong. This is a common assumption. Since you feel it's bad to ask for anything, you express your needs with a head of anger or resentment. And the anger says, I'm wrong to ask for what I need and you're wrong to make me have to ask, right? Sometimes we get caught in that, that cycle of thinking, like we shouldn't have to ask for the things that we need that our spouse should just know. So then we feel wrong for asking and we feel um, like our spouse is wrong for making us making us ask them, right? Because they don't automatically know it. The book goes on to say, trying to have a close relationship in which you don't express your needs is like driving a car without a steering wheel. You can go fast, but you can't change directions or steer around potholes. Relationships change, accommodate, and grow when both people can clearly and supportively express what they need. Now, if one of the spouses in the marriage is not learning these communication skills right away, that's okay, right? They will learn it as, as you start to use these communication skills and as you model them and give them an example of how to communicate more effectively. So don't be too upset if your spouse isn't using them right away. It's okay. It's okay. So I'm going to give you some examples from the book about how to express our needs. The first example says, can you be home before seven? I would really love to go to a movie. Another example is, I am exhausted. Will you do the dishes and see that the kids are in bed? Another example is, I need a day to myself this weekend. Can we get together on Sunday night? Another example is, I need to reserve time with you so that we can sit down and work this out in more detail. And a final example is, 
Could you just hug me for a while? I love that one. When we express our needs, they are not judgmental about what the other person is or is not doing. We don't blame or assign fault as we express our needs. They are just simple statements about what would help or please us. So those are the four kinds of expressions that are included in whole messages. Observations, thoughts, feelings, and needs. Now, the book goes on to say this, and I think this is a really good side note. It says, not every relationship or situation requires whole messages. Effective communication with your garage mechanic probably won't involve a lot of deep feelings or discussions of your emotional needs. Even with your spouse or what they say here is intimates, the majority of messages are just informational. But partial messages with something important left out or obscured are always dangerous. They become relational booby traps when used to express the complex issues that are an inevitable part of closeness. <laughs> so they call partial messages booby traps. And we talk a lot about different types of traps that marriages can often fall into. And so this is one of them using partial messages. And so when we are using partial messages, that means we are leaving parts of what we are actually thinking and feeling out. So that means that when we are communicating with our spouse in partial messages, we are not giving the whole picture. We are just giving one aspect of it. And when we think about the definition of partial, it means existing only in part. It means incomplete. It also means favoring one side in a dispute above another. It's biased. So when we use partial messages and don't include all four of those parts that we talked about, it's as if we are entering into communicating with our spouse one-sided and very biased. And so again, that will really, it can really create more distance rather than closeness. And when we use partial messages, we are only conveying one part and not the whole and not the complete picture. So if we really want to develop more clarity, more trust, and more closeness with our spouse, we really need to try to develop the skill of using whole messages with all four parts and not keep referring and deferring to probably what we're doing automatically and using partial messages. Now, I really love this because I think 
something that most of us would want to experience in our marriage is closeness and trust. So one way we can do that is to really try to develop this skill of communicating using whole messages and not partial messages. And I really do want to point out that partial messages also means leaving things out. And I think sometimes when we leave things out, we're not being really honest, right? Again, because it kind of goes back to that fear. We are afraid that what we're going to say might damage the relationship. It might cause anger. It might affect the self-esteem of the other person or, you know, in this case, our spouse. We have these fears that come along with communication and being honest, but those are the things that create more division, not more closeness and intimacy. So the book goes on to say that one of the ways that we can really enhance our communication is to prepare our communication. If we know that we really want to express something that we think is going to be difficult or challenging is to take the time to prepare ourselves and make sure that these four types of expression is really going to be included in our communication so that our message to our spouse is whole and complete and actually contributes to healing and restoration of the relationship and not the opposite. Now, the final part that I'm going to read to you from this book is that it says you can test whether you are giving whole or partial messages by asking yourself the following questions. And of course, I love this because when we ask ourselves questions, wow, it can really help us have more of a positive effect in our own lives. So here are the four examples of these questions that we can ask ourselves. It says, have I expressed what I actually know to be fact, right? That's the first one. The first form is the observation, just the facts. Is it based on what I've observed, read, or heard? Okay, so those two questions go together. The second question that we can ask ourselves is, have I expressed and clearly labeled my thoughts, my opinions, my interpretations, my inferences, and my conclusions? I think that is such a good question to ask ourselves. Have I labeled those things? This is my thought. I think this. This is my opinion. I believe that, right? Being able to label it as your own thoughts, your own opinions, is a beautiful thing. The third question, have I expressed my feelings without blame or judgment, right? And if we're using I statements to say, I feel this, that's probably a good indicator that you have done it without blame or judgment. And the fourth question is, have I shared my needs also without blame or judgment, right? So that's like being able to express what you want and need Again, with I statements, not saying like, you never let me have a day off. <laughs> that would be a very blameful thing rather than saying, I really need a day off. 
very different ways of communicating your needs. So as we get to the end of this episode, I hope that this next week you will be able to really take some time to focus on using whole messages that include all four parts. Your observation of the facts with what you've seen, heard, and or experienced, your thoughts about it, your feelings about it, and your needs. This is what constitutes whole messages. And I hope that this week we will really focus on this skill and also be observant if we fall into our the natural way of communicating probably in our old habits of using partial messages. Like if we know we're not really expressing the honest truth or we know we're leaving something out on purpose, I hope that this week we will spend a little more time to prepare how we can express that in a whole message form so that the actual intent of communication is better understanding of one another and not like this right or wrong, good or bad conflict that we often get into when we use partial messages. Let's seek out clear understanding this week by using whole messages. That way, we can start to heal wounds, heal injuries that may have occurred in the relationship, that we can improve our own development and growth, and that we can create an atmosphere that actually invites more trust and closeness instead of repels it. And also that restores the relationship as we learn from some of the first definitions of the word whole. Because remember, the more you restore this type of whole message intimacy within yourself, the more you can restore it with your spouse. Thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you will join us again next week.